Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Seattle Seahawks running back Chris Carson is coming back to Seattle. A lot of Seattle fans thought we may lose him to free agency. A lot of people expecting him to be one of the top running backs available in this offseason. And John Schneider is able to get him to come back to Seattle on a three-year deal, which is really a two-year deal, averaging about $5 million per year. So significantly less than he was expected to get by some of the experts out there looking at the free agency period this offseason. John Fraley, he made a good point in his article up at fieldgoals.com grading the first week of free agency for the Seahawks. One of the things he said was, running backs hardly matter. And John is a noted running back critic. He goes on to say, but you need a foursome on your roster anyway. And it's better if they're headlined by a good player when you're going to run as much as the Seahawks. So yes, good running backs are much better to have than bad running backs. And at the price that Carson is coming back for 2021, it's easily a value for Seattle. So definitely check out John Fraley's article to look at more of his grades for the Seahawks in their first week of free agency. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about free agency as well. The signing of Chris Carson, recapping what the Seahawks have done so far. And I'm doing it with a friend of mine, Anthony Knockreiner. Now, he is a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, but he has a radio show in my hometown. And usually I go weekly onto Anthony's show during the season. The offseason is a little more erratic. For those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, I live in Montana which is in between being a Denver Broncos market and a Seattle Seahawks market. So during the year, I go on the radio with one of my local stations and I talk Seahawks. So here it is, my latest appearance with Anthony Knockreiner on his show, The Knock on Sports. Welcome back to The Knock on Sports and joining me right now on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline to talk NFL free agency and the Seattle Seahawks. It is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers podcast as well as the Field Goals podcast. Brandon, it is great to chat with you once again, man. I hope you are doing well and hope you're enjoying a, a little March Madness. Enjoying a little March Madness, enjoying a little bit of free agency as as that has kind of been the, the main focus here this last week in the NFL. Yeah, this is a good time of year for sports right now. I'll say I'm glad that we have the NCAA tournament this time last year. The only thing that was really exciting was NFL free agency. Yeah, that and was it. So, yeah, that was it. I mean, it was really good for me. It worked out. You know, Tom Brady, the Tampa Buccaneers, that was the lead <laughs> story. Don't have to worry about that uh, this year. Uh, but, Brandon, let's just start here. Obviously, and we've talked about this the last time you were on the show, which with all the noise around Russell Wilson, we heard Chicago was making an aggressive play for him. Ultimately, they're not going to get him because they ended up signing Andy Dalton. But just your thoughts on the whole situation, Chicago, Seattle, and what Chicago is sounded like and what was being reported is what they were willing to give up for Russell Wilson. Yeah, you you characterize it as an aggressive push, but I don't know how aggressive it was because, yes, okay, it's three first-round picks that they were willing to give up. But I think what a lot of Bears fans don't realize is that, you, you know, they're used to picking in the top 10. Their last three picks were uh, Roquan Smith, uh, Leonard Floyd, and Mitch Trubisky. And two of those players are gone, but Roqu- Roquan Smith's a darn good player. And those were the last three guys. And then they traded away their first to get Khalil Mack. So good use of using your first round picks there on a, a really impact player. But uh, they they haven't picked in the top 10 since those three players that I mentioned. And when you get Russell Wilson, 
you're not trading top 10 picks to Seattle. At the point that you acquire Russell Wilson, your first round picks are now, you know, playoff level picks. So pick 20 or lower in the draft, those those bottom 12. So it's not really that great when you consider that, okay, three first round picks. Yeah, you're you're one this year, I think. Well, it was the the last one. It was 20. So the picks aren't going to get better unless there's injury issues. And then they were giving up players that were they were essentially going to get rid of anyway with Kyle Fuller. And yes, he's a former all pro, but maybe not a corner that fits necessarily what Pete Carroll likes to do. And then you have Akeem Hicks, who's a pro bowler, a darn good player at defensive tackle. But that's not even a position to need for the Seahawks and their defense because you know, they still have Jaron Reed and then they just signed Puna Ford, their other defensive tackle. So their their starters at defensive tackle are locked up. So as a Seahawks fan, I don't look at that at all and say that that was really that aggressive of a move. <laughs> that's an interesting point. And I would say it was, it was, I think as aggressive of a move, the Chicago bears could make to try and get a franchise quarterback. I because don't think I, so. Listen, I, I, don't, just, I, I would, I push back on that, Anthony, because you can make a type of push. I go back to gosh, when the Rams traded with Tennessee just to move up from, uh, I think they were at 15 to move up all the way to number one. They gave up two first round picks. They gave up, a couple second round picks. They gave up a couple third round picks. If if you're the Bears, you start throwing in not only firsts, but second and thirds. Then you're talking about essentially the value of a top 10 pick. And I think it would take three uh, in terms of trade value. I think it would take three top 10 picks to get a franchise quarterback. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, like I said, it, it, it didn't happen. So at the end of the day, the Bears do have Andy Dalton and the CLC still have uh, Russell Wilson. Another move that was made and it was a trade. And I'm curious your thoughts on this, because apparently the Las Vegas Raiders are trading. It's a wholesale for the offensive line. But the Seahawks make a move for Gabe Jackson at guard. What do you think about the move? Yeah, it's a good move. You, you end up having to take on salary. But when they missed out on Joe Tooney and it sounded like they were involved with that, uh, they were looking at Kevin Zeitler, who went to the Ravens. And at that point, Gabe Jackson was probably about as good as you were going to do. And rather than have him, that sounded like the, the Raiders were going to outright release him. And so to give up a fifth round pick, it's yes, you you maybe miss out on the chance of signing him to a lower amount or a longer contract. But you know maybe they have the opportunity to give him a three year deal and restructure his salary in some sort of way. But a fifth round pick to me, it's it's not that big of a deal for when you're adding legitimate talent on the offensive line. The Seahawks also made a move in re-signing Chris Carson. Do you think that's the, a right move considering other running backs? I know they were also interested in Lennon Fournette. Uh, what did you think about the signing? Yeah, considering the price that they're able to get Carson for, which was essentially two years, just over $10 million, they're able to spread out the cap hit over three years. So it's a really low cap hit this year. And yeah, when I saw that Kenyon Drake was going to the Raiders for about the same deal, maybe a little bit more than Carson got, I said it, that is a good sign for Chris Carson that he could be coming back to Seattle because we were thinking he was going to get upwards of seven, eight million dollars a year. And so for him to come in at that price, it feels like a little bit of a hometown discount along with, uh, you know, he had injury issues, which I think affected his market 
in some way because his availability for the playoffs over the last couple of years has been it hasn't been great. Um, and you do kind of you feel like you have to manage Chris Carson in a certain way in terms of his health. But he otherwise he has been available and he's a darn good running back. So I'm really happy that he's coming back. We don't know the status of where Penny's at. And at the same time, Carlos Hyde is now in Jacksonville. Do you feel like the Seahawks need to address the running back uh, position still and again in free agency? Well, they did re-sign Alex Collins and they signed him at the end of the year. And so he'll be coming back. I think he kind of fills that Carlos Hyde space. I think Penny will be back, but gosh, he's, I think they could actually save money against the cap. But right now in 2021, Rashad Penny is going to be the highest paid in terms of, of cap hit on the Seattle Seahawks uh, salary cap. So he's like around 3.4. Uh, then Carson comes in at 2.5. They could save money by cutting him if, if they feel like he's not going to contribute this upcoming year. But I think you can absolutely go out and, and, you know, either draft a guy late in the draft or or find an undrafted free agent that hopefully can come in and compete. What do you think about the Seahawks signing Gerald Everett from and getting him from the L.A. Rams? It kind of feels like that's a, a Shane Waldron you know, because he came over from the Rams and is now going to be the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. It. Uh, there were a lot of Seahawks fans that expected that move, and he's a he's a good tight end. And so. I think they were. I think we talked about this the last time we chatted, Anthony. That I I thought that the Seahawks needed to get a veteran tight end and then maybe even draft a tight end. Now, with the amount of draft picks they have, maybe they won't be able to do the drafting part of it. They they still have Colby Parkinson that they got uh, a couple uh, just last year, so they're hoping that he can make an impact on the roster now in 2021. Will Disley coming back? He he did a full healthy season, so. You know, if you're talking about an undrafted guy, they they just need a, a fourth guy to compete. And so I, I feel pretty good about the Gerald Everett signing. They didn't overpay like you know, going out and get John and Smith or, or Hunter Henry like the, the Patriots did. So I, I think that's a good signing. My feature guest is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. We'll get his thoughts on the Seahawks moves so far. Is it enough to appease Russell Wilson? We'll discuss that next year on the Knock on Sports. Breaking down NFL free agency and discussing the Seattle Seahawks' latest moves with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast as he joins us on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. Brandon, we've talked about a lot of the moves that the Seahawks have made so far. Uh, one move that we haven't t- talked about yet is David Moore and losing him. How much does that impact? I know you still have Tyler Lockett. You still have DK Metcalf, obviously. But how much does that move and losing him hurt the Seahawks, in, in your opinion? It's an impact, but I think it's one that the Seahawks as a franchise would have been expecting because David Moore, he, you know, he kind of fills that third wide receiver role that they've always been able to kind of find a guy for, whether it's Jermaine Curse is kind of the, the main guy that I think of. You know, Paul Richardson kind of filled that number three role for a while before he got a big contract with Washington. So they've been able to find that guy. And is it going to be Freddie Swain moving into that role? Could they look toward, you know, is is Russell Wilson going to be pounding the table for Antonio Brown to maybe have him be that number three guy? That's that's something I'm I'm waiting to see. But in terms of the contract that he got, I I would have been fine with that contract uh, being given to him to stay in Seattle um, because I I think it was a, a relatively low amount. And you know what he gives you to be on the team. 
but uh, he it's it's not a position where you're going to overpay for to try and keep a guy at that number three spot. Brandon, are there any free agents that are still on the market that you're looking at and, and you want to see the Seahawks sign? In terms of wide receiver or, or just all over the board? All over the board. Yeah. Carlos Dunlap would be the number one guy, and he was with Seattle last year. I'd, I'd even be open to Jadevian Clowney coming back, to be honest. And, you know, with the the market being what it is, could you sign Dunlap and Clowney to multi-year deals and have kind of a low cap hit for 2021? And it, it does add some risk with either one of those guys when you consider age and, and injury, injury history with regard to Clowney. But I would be willing for those spots, those defensive end spots, to take on some of that risk long term because I, I don't know if you're going to get another chance to sign impact type pass rushers. And yeah, everybody's bagging on Clowney because, oh, he didn't have any sacks when he was with Seattle. He was only three and a half that one year. He really didn't do anything with the Titans. But I still think about the impact that he did have on that Seahawks defense. Yes, it wasn't sacks, but it was pressures. He was solid in the running game. Dunlap was coming up with, you know, crazy sacks at the end of the game. He had an impact, a better impact, I thought, than Clowney did. Uh, over his full season and and Dunlap was really only here for a short time. So if you could find a way to get both of those guys on on two, three year deals, man, I would that would make me actually excited about what the Seahawks have done so far. Now, Brian, here's the ultimate question is whether or not the Seahawks have done enough, you think, to appease Russell Wilson. Obviously, I'm sure that that does play at least a small factor. It's more about the roster construction. I know uh, Schneider and Carroll, they have Russell Wilson locked up. I know there was some, there's some unhappiness between both parties, I'm sure. Um, but do you think the offense is is enough right now for Russell Wilson? And, and hey, listen, we made an effort, Russell. We tried. Well, I think the big thing was getting the offensive coordinator and involving involving him in that part of the hire. You got an offensive lineman in Gabe Jackson. Now, is there still another center out there that you can bring in and compete with Ethan Posick because they did re-sign Ethan Posick? I know there's that question of, oh, you know, Russell's complaining about the offensive line, and here you go, you only bring in one guy, and you know, it's it's essentially. Uh, for the same that you had last year. So I I can understand that from a certain extent, I, but I think his big issue was offensive line kind of over his career. And I, I think you can, you can probably do well with changing some things up with the system and then adding Gabe Jackson. And gosh, I, and, and maybe you draft somebody on the offensive line and, and that helps too. I think where you have to... If he's again, I go back to the Antonio Brown thing and I'm not super excited about it. But if that's a guy that he's pointing to and saying, this is a guy that I worked with in the offseason, you know, he went and won a ring with Brady and and this is the guy that I want to bring in. You know, Do they listen to him? If they end up bringing in Antonio Brown, that would be a sign that they are now listening to Russ in terms of personnel moves. It'd be really interesting to see if that is the case. It's been really quiet on the Antonio Brown market, and obviously wide receivers, that market in general has been kind of quiet as well. I know right. uh, Juju Smith-Schuster went back to Pittsburgh. Well, we'll talk about this in a little bit as well, but Arizona making some moves in that department as well. Uh, so it should be really interesting to see how long this drags out and where uh, Antonio Brown goes because it is really kind of interesting. Because I, I think, Brandon, and you give me your thoughts, I think it would be either, be either Tampa Bay or 
Seattle. I don't think there's any other market or any other teams that I think are really all that interested in bringing Antonio Brown uh, to their team. Yeah, I think those would have to be the only couple of places, right? Unless there's been a change of heart in Pittsburgh or something. But I, I suppose with Juju coming back, maybe that closes that door too. Brandon, let me get your thoughts because you did talk about it a little bit, which is the draft. The Seattle Seahawks have only three picks. One in round two, one in round four, one in round seven. We've seen Schneider take very few picks and turn them into a bunch of picks, but I don't know if he's got enough to do that again. You could move that second round pick and still and find somebody who would be willing to give up two thirds, I think. But man, missing out on the second round and not finding guys later in the draft. I, I suppose the late round picks are not going to be that big of an issue this year because you don't have the combine and maybe they really like that for trying to, you know, get an idea in terms of numbers with, with some of these guys, because there are some players or, or, or at least some positions where they're very focused on uh, speed and, and 40 yard dash size, weight and that sort of thing. And, um, and so they're not going to have that this year. So that's a, a question I have if maybe they aren't that concerned, but if they are going to make a move, you know, would they be willing just after a one-year rental of Jamal Adams essentially to to trade him and find a way to to get you know maybe early second round and some additional picks too for him? I don't know. I just don't know who else you can really move because with Bobby Wagner's salary and you know his really his status on the team as as being that team captain, I. Don't know if you could move on from him. Tyler Lockett, we just got done talking about how the wide receiver market has been. You know, he's making up, you know, double digits in terms of his salary. So how many teams are going to be willing to take on a Tyler Lockett salary and give up picks when you know the market seems so depressed in terms of wide receivers this offseason? So I, I think that the only real move that I, I could see is moving on from Jamal Adams. And, and would they do that? I, I don't know. Now, it's going to be really interesting to to say the least, because I'm very curious on your thoughts. Do you think Schneider does attempt to get more picks or does he stand pat with the three that he has? They would have to be solidly on on targeting a specific player, you know, whether it's a guy who's slipping that they saw going higher. And I could see him being willing to give up future picks. You know, a lot of times you'll see teams to get into the the fourth round or a third round. Well, I, gosh, we've even seen it, you know, where teams will give up a first rounder next year to get into the second round in the current year's draft. Now, the Seahawks don't have a, a future first to give up because of Jamal Adams, but, you know, could they give up a future third or a future fourth to, to move into the, you know, fourth or fifth rounds? I could see them doing something like that, maybe, if they if they don't trade a player to get, you know, one of those those top picks in the second round. Brandon Schultz is joining us right now on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline as we've been discussing the NFL free agency market as well as the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Brandon, taking a look at the rest of the NFC West, uh, give me your thoughts because it looks like the Rams got better on paper. The Cardinals at least got better, it looks like, in the wide receiver position. But again, that's by name town only, I feel like, with A.J. Green because we just don't know are we going to get the old A.J. Green that we saw dominate in Cincinnati. So give me your thoughts on the NFC West right now. I, I think on paper, I, I'd say that the Rams probably improved the most just because at quarterback, that's such an important position. And, 
you know, going from Goff to Stafford is, is an upgrade, but they lost a lot of talent in other places too. So uh, I, I'm, you know, the Deshaun Jackson move, it doesn't it really interest me at all because how little he's played. I mean, David Moore's had a bigger impact over the last two years on the league than Deshaun Jackson has. So, uh, and then his age, but yeah, they've, they've lost a lot of talent on the defensive side, but I think they make up for that just by having Aaron Donald and, uh, yes, it's uh, the the Rams probably scare me the most in terms of the upgrades that they made. AJ Green, I, I guess it's uh, it is a move for them. But with Larry Fitzgerald, you know, if he were to come back, then yes, I would say that's an upgrade. But I, I feel like with AJ Green coming on, that's kind of saying that Fitzgerald isn't coming back this year. And yeah, they've made some decent moves on defense too. You know, getting JJ Watts a big move, but. Um, yeah, that's uh, they still have Kyler Murray and that offensive line. And so I, NFC West is going to be really competitive, Anthony. And I, I think that's what you see is all of these teams competing to try and, and outdo one another. And, you know, can the 49ers actually get a quarterback to be competitive in the division? But they have you know one of the best overall rosters, one of the better pass rushes on the uh, in the division, too. So it's going to be tough. Brandon, now taking a look at the entire NFC, and I know I don't. This is I don't say this very often, um, but it to me it doesn't look like anybody has really gained a whole lot of steam in terms of jumping ahead of the Buccaneers at this point. So looking at it, I look at and I want your thoughts on this too in the race for the NFC title. I look Green Bay; they maintained at least with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be in it, I think, with Seattle. They've done enough things that again, they're going to put themselves in a position to be in the playoffs and to compete in the tournament as well. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, the Rams—they look dangerous as well. So the Rams, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Bucks look like the top teams in the NFC for me. What about you? It has to be right. There's just not enough. Uh, I, I guess you could maybe throw the Cowboys in there and be competitive with a full year of Dak Prescott behind center, but they are still going to have issues on the offensive line um, in terms of quarterbacks and yeah, the NFC East. I, I guess the Cowboys are the one team that you point to out of that division. We just got done talking about how the West is going to be tough. The Bucks, they do feel like that's the team. So unless, gosh, the Falcons are a big question with Arthur Smith coming in as a brand new coach, would he be able to, to vault that team and have the Falcons be the competitive team against the Bucks in the South. That's a question. And the North with Aaron Rodgers, it just feels like that's the way it's going to go. And and maybe the Vikings can do enough to, to be that competitive team in the North too. Um, yeah. It's, it's looking pretty good for the Bucks, especially out of the South, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But at the same time, I would say though, I still think it's those four teams because I feel like Seattle uh, obviously tough there at the end, but they were a tough team all the way throughout the season. Uh, the defense only got better. Uh, the LA Rams are still a very tough team. I don't think the Cardinals I'm not sold on. And the 49ers will see if they can stay healthy. Right. Uh, and like you said, the quarterback issue right goes right there. In the NFC South, I mean, you lose Drew Brees. You either have Jameis Winston throwing the picks or you have Taysom Hill running the football. I'm not really <laughs> sure how that's going to work out in New Orleans. Um, so I just look at, I think those are the top four teams, at least in the NFC West, or I'm sorry, in the NFC. And so that's why I say I, it, cause I just think it's those four. I don't think there's anybody else. And there's some, I'm sure somebody else surprises, but I think it's just those top four teams. Yeah. The only one that I, I think that I can even kind of throw in there is the Cowboys, you know, just with, with Dak being injured last year, I think that's a, a big wild. but again, it's a wild card. 
And yeah, but for the top four, absolutely. My feature guest, Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Brandon, if they want to catch the latest episodes of the podcast, how can they do that? Yeah, check out the latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast at seahawkerspodcast.com and then sbnation.com slash NFL podcast for field goals. You know, we've been doing something that's kind of fun. We've been doing uh, a, a weekly live discussion via the Locker Room app. And you can follow me there at Seahawkra and you can be and that Seahawk R.A. And then you can get notified when we go live. And, and it's kind of fun. We do about 15 minutes and then we bring people in who can ask questions live. So it's kind of like a, a live radio call in show type deal. And uh, it's just a fun way to interact. Make sure you guys check that out. Brandon, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate the insight as well, my man. Look forward to chatting with you again soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Anthony. 